Uh, today's stop is officially Teched 88. We're almost, only an Amud behind, we're almost on Teched Zayin definitely. <laughs> we pick up on Teched Zayin Amud Aleph, um, about five lines down in the wide line. Ta'omer Echtev Ashu. Okay, so continuing on the Mishnah, and uh, we just had a whole long passage about um, <laughs> the power of Tshuva, and... Um, and uh, also certain element of Tzadik Ralu Asher Tovlo, how the divine accounting works out, and um, so on. And there are very important discussions also about how people deal with past sins and should they be going back to them and doing tshuva on them, um, should they be doing tshuva in public or in private. A lot of very important discussions about the context um, in which tshuva is done. So now we continue with the Mishnah. Homer Somebody says, "I'll sin and do tshuva. I'll sin and do tshuva." It says, "Ema speaking miyadolas is tshuva." He's not given an opportunity to do tshuva, which again does not mean that the tshuva is not accepted, but that his, uh, you know, again there's this under underlying uh, 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 theme that tshuva will always be accepted, uh, but the opportunities are not made available for such a person. So the Gemara says, "Lavali lemeimer echtevashiv echtevashiv." Why does it say it twice? Um, praise him, nay. The version does an Avera and repeats it, it becomes permissible to him. So, Hutralo, permissible to him, do you really mean that? No, it means from his perspective, now it's permissible. We're so good at rationalizing our behavior that after we've done it two times, it's like it's permissible. And uh, Rabbi Yisrael Salantar has the great line, he says, and when you do it three times, it's become a mitzvah already. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, so the ex of the Ashu here is sort of saying, but it's interesting because, you know, it, 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 I think the power of that is that it's reading the mission of Ein Maspikim Yadolashashuva, not like divine, from some divine uh, control, it pre- he's prevented from doing tshuva, but essentially it's reading it psychologically. You know, now, Echtevashvachtevashv is reading the significance is that you've reinforced this behavior in your own mind and you've now rationalized it and it's become like Hector and presumably, and that's why you must be the other love of Shuba, that's why it's not going to be easy. The natural, it's na- the natural consequence is how you're supposed to do Shuba now that you've completely rationalized the behavior and it's become to you to be like Hector. Um, although the irony is is that then it's really just about doing an Avera twice. It's not about saying Echtevashv twice. If you're saying Echtevashv, but maybe the part of the po- po- that is revealing the fact that you're rationalizing what you're doing. I mean, if you just sin twice, you can sin twice without rationalizing it and feel guilty about it. But if you're sinning and saying, I'll do shuva, you're already figuring out a way why what you're doing is not so bad and how you'll work it all out. But it is interesting that rather than reading it as a type of a mida keneged mida, you're trying to rely on the tshuva to help, to help you sin. The normal way this is taught is you're using the tshuva to help you sin. And therefore, you're not given the opportunity to use, to actually avail yourself of the tshuva. But this is, I think, reading it less that way, and more just reading, if you're rationalizing your behavior, the reality is it's going to be very hard for you to do tshuva. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Um, if you say, I'll sin and Yom Kippur will atone, then Yom Kippur will not atone. That is much more me than get me, because whether Yom Kippur atones or not is somehow, you know, the... Uh, the metaphysical power of Yom Kippur, that's more about what God does, not about your actual actions of tshuva. So the Gemara says, Lema masnisin to loka Rebbe, let their missions light like Rebbe, Tanya, Rebbe Yomar, kol aver, shepatari, benasa shuva, benasa shuva, Yom Kippur, mechaper, that whether you've done shuva or not, Yom Kippur is mechaper, because the Gemara assumes that if Yom Kippur isn't going to work, it's because what's lacking is the tshuva. But according to Rebbe, who doesn't need tshuva, 
then presumably uh, even with this uh, problem it should work. So the Gemara, right, so it's interesting, again, the Gemara's desire to read this problem here, this issue here, not as a mida connected mida, but as some obstacle in your tshuva. And the Gemara's answer is, Rebbe. Now, even according to Rebbe, that Yom Kippur works by itself, Agav Shani. If you try to use Yom Kippur to, you know, to help you sin, then it's not going to work. That would exclude the efficacy of Yom Kippur, since that is what basically uh, supported you in your, psychologically in your sinning. Now, the sins that you do between man and God, Yom Kippur works, but between one person and another, you need to appease your friend. Remedy of Yosef Barchav of Rabbi Avo. So, Yosef Barchav would challenge Rabbi Avo. What? What do you do? Challenge. Like, showed a contradiction of Psukim, not challenged him a statement he had made, showed a contradiction of Psukim. That's what Rami means, to throw two verses together. Is that really true? That between man and, and his friend Yom Kippur does not work, does not work until you appease? So if a merchant sins to another person, then Pilula, which is a, um, as the JPS translation has it, meaning of Hebrew uncertain, um, <laughs> but Pilula could mean like to judge, God will judge it, but by the context and this is presumably why he's asking by the context it means this is with Ailey remonstrating his sons for their sins and they're saying look if a person sins to God God will exit but if you sin to your fellow man who will exit so the ex here seems to be forgive Right, which actually seems to be saying the opposite. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said the wrong way. If a person sins against a person, God will exit. But if you sin against God, who's, gonna, who's going to exit? So it sounds from the context that what he's talking about is forgive. If you sin to your fellow man, God will forgive it. But if you're sinning to God, who's going to forgive it? And he's trying to give a muster about how terrible the sin is and why they have to do tshufa. So the word of kilo there, I don't know, but in the context it seems to mean forgive, to weigh, to judge, to judge in the context of forgiving. Um, and there, the simple sense of the verse is the exact opposite of our Mishnah, is that God will forgive sins between people but not, not done directly to God. So, of course, it could mean done to God in the sense of like Chil Hashem, but okay. So anyway, here's the problem. So, look, it seems like God does forgive those sins. So the Bible says, no. Man Elohim Dayana. It doesn't mean God, it means judges. And presumably then reading the word Pilo means that judges will judge it. If you sin against your neighbor, it'll be brought to the courts. Okay, but if you sin against... So let's take a look. So then how does the end of the verse work? If you sin against God, if a person is in God, needs palelo. So what does that mean? Who will, if the word kilel here means to judge, who will judge him? What do you mean who will judge him? God will judge him. So hachikamar. So now we're going back to the earlier reading that pilo means to forgive. If a person sins against another person, God will pilo yimcholo. God will forgive him. Okay? So, meaning, I'm sorry, so pilo or yimcholo, uh, uh, um, right, oh, thank you. Yachta ishli ishadu pilo, and, I'm sorry, dash, mean, Oh, and the person is Pilolo, meaning the other person forgives him. Is that how it's reading it? Something like if you sin to another person and that person forgives you, then Elohimim Kolo, then God will forgive you. And but if you sin to God, who will 
atone for you or you know forgive you um, then your tshuva will forgive you so it's a pretty convoluted read of the verse but basically it's saying not that not that God you won't be forgiven if you sin to God actually if you sin to God you will be forgiven if you do tshuva but if you sin to another person you'll be forgiven once the person forgives you so anyway it's a hard read of the verse simple read of the verse is actually quite the opposite of the Mishnah but nevertheless we are claiming that it works with the sense of the Mishnah Anybody who upsets his friend, who does wrong to his friend, even with words, has to appease him. Of course. My son, if you have gone into, like, uh, uh, gone into a league, uh, you know, um, with your friend, stuck out to a stranger in your hand, like shaking your hands with somebody, and you have uh, tripped or, you know, done, done wrong with the words of your mouth, I say zot efo b'ni v'hinatzel. Do this, my son, and be saved. Kibadu v'kafre echa. If you have come again with you know in the handshake of your friend to do some evil, lechitrapeis v'rahevre echa. Go hitrapeis and rahevre echa. What does that mean? So the Gemara is going to explain. Imamon yesh biyadcha. So if what you've done is basically now it might be reading kafreyacha like your friend's hand, like you've taken money out of his hand. The simple sense of the verse probably means you've done a handshake in order to do some dastardly deeds. But anyway, we are going to see if you have anyway if you have money so something like in the palm of your hand, right? If you have money, imamon yesh biyadcha, then he trapes. Haterlo pisat yad. So it's a word, plan the word hitrapes. Open up the palm of your hand. Give the money back. The imlav, and if it's not with money, but you've just done, like, nokashta bi'ime picha, done stuff wrong with the words of your mouth. So hitrapes, rahev read, harbe, from rahev harbe, harbe elav re'im, to have a lot of friends come and, um, and appease him on your behalf and have him forgive you. So you see, even if, in a way, if you take money, it's easier to return money, maybe. But if you actually hurt him with your words, you know, that might actually be even more demanding and go and get friends together, his friends, and try to appease him. This is, again, same, you people might be familiar with this. This is brought down in the halacha. When you go to appease your friend that you've done wrong to him, um, if you have to bring three rows of friends, you know, to help try to, uh, to uh, persuade him. Um, presumably if he doesn't just want to you know forgive you more easily um, three rows of three people each you shall make a row of on people so basically a row is at least three people and and you shall say I've sinned and I have perverted what is straight and it has not been any good for me so again three different statements Right, chatasi yasher yavisi v'lo shaveli. So, and three times with a row of friends. So you have to be so much trying to win him over that you would have to come to him back three times, um, each time bringing a group of friends to try to persuade him to uh, make up with you. I'm ready. <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's an interesting point. We're gonna, three times, three times, three plus him makes a million. We're going to mention a million in a minute. So that's a very good point. Mato is forgiveness. The matu minach, the famous say, with you know, with your leave, with your forgive, with you know, with your with your with your leave, with your forgiveness. So anybody who pardon me, pardon me, with your pardon, anybody who, who requests forgiveness from his friend, On the other side, you don't have to continue to debase yourself so much if it's not working three times you've done your you've done you know you've done your duty 
Shenemar, as the verse says, Ana sana ve'ata sana, please, apparently is one, sana is two, and there's three times it says please, ve'ata sana is three times. So more than that, you do not have to uh, debate so yourself. Sana is one. Sana is two, sana is three. Right, the imaze, now let's say the person died and you did not achieve forgiveness. Maybe you didn't get around to doing the three times or you did the three times and we're not asking you to do any more, but there's still a reality that you've sinned and it hasn't been forgiven. So what do you do? Maybe a serbene adam umamidamakivro. So here you do get the minion. You get ten people and you stand on his, uh, and you have them stand by his grave. I sin to God and to this person that I did injury to him and presumably now you know since the person isn't around to say no and you're doing so you know somehow it can sort of represent his side you know it's not exactly clear what this ritual is supposed to do um, but somehow this minion either it's the public confession of it you know is somehow suffices in itself when there's nothing left to be done um, or somehow these ten people as a representative of the tzibur also represent his interests of the other side that's re- that's if he did not get to forgive you while he was alive no, or, or if he didn't get to do the three I mean, if he did right. three times, you're not gonna, you're not that's an interesting question if you did it three times and he still said no are you still required to do this you're not required to more debase yourself but you know to him but maybe still, still the accounts haven't been even you know um, so um, okay Rebir Miyahavile Milsa now we get some I think very moving discuss, uh, sort of stories about how people you know reconciled with other people um, or attempted to reconcile Rebir Miyahavile Milsa Rebir Yavo day. so it's again interesting the, just the terminology used Rebir Yavo had a Rebir Abba had a had, you know had, had some Rebir Yirmiya had offended Rebir Abba so the way it describes it is there was a matter of Rebbe Yirmiya that Rebbe Abba had with him. Meaning Rebbe, Rebbe Abba had some type of a complaint, you know, but some type of a, of a it's not just a complaint, you know, some type of a of offense that was done to him by Rebbe Yirmiya. So he had this matter being held by him. Um, this problem. Ago Esav Adashad Rebbe Abba. So Rebbe Yirmiya went and he sat by the door of Rebbe Abba. And he was going there, he was going to ask forgiveness, he was waiting to get in, and uh, while he was waiting, his, uh, the, the maidservant threw water, you know, the, the cleaning the house and threw out the water from the, the dirty water, maybe even the bathroom water. Um, so some of the drops of water hit his head that he was sitting there on the doorstep waiting to come in. So now I've become like a garbage dump. So maybe that's like my kapara. Karanaki, he called on himself, may I suppose you remivyon. And again, this interesting, God raises up from the garbage dumps the poor. So again, I've so debased myself, which is interesting. If you think in the context of Yom Kippur and about self-affliction, is the idea that you have suffered and had these bad things done to you itself a kapara. Um, also, uh, you know, or we've also been alluding to this idea of that the process of asking forgiveness to some degree requires a certain degree of self-abasement. So here he's making himself, he is like, this is a very, like, you know, real world way of being treated like garbage. <laughs> he was treated like garbage. He had a, and may I suppose to remember you, but so sometimes maybe the process, you know, it's hard to ask for forgiveness. You have to sort of, you know, uh, make yourself more humble and, you know, and there's that idea of, you know, feeling 
and feeling bad about it, about yourself and feeling like garbage. And uh, so here, this is what came as part of the process. Yes. Instead of being angry, he had the awareness to take this resistance. You know. Right. Right. That, that's a good point too. Right. He didn't get angry. He, I mean, he felt that this was like some degree appropriate. Um, although you don't know Asauni, as they've made me again. Is there a little sense of like? It's gotten this bad, like a little, a little subtext of complaint. Anyway, Shami Rebbe Abba, Rebbe Abba heard the and went to greet him. Um, now I have to go ahead and like you know and make you uh, you know uh, appease you that this is how you were t- you know you were treated even inadvertently. Um, to make you go out of your mind, I mean, not let it go out of your mind, but like meaning your, to leave your your anger. your anger, right? So again, so it does seem he was you know got a was upset that that's what happened. Okay, so again, it's quite fascinating the symbolism of it, but his sense that, you know, was a little bit too much. Reb which again fits into their previous discussion about not, you know, about limiting the degree of debasement. Now, when Reb had a complaint against people, meaning somebody had done something wrong to him, um, he would go out of his way once and multiple times, Tani, like a second time, to like, you know, bump into him on the street, make himself, you know, present himself to him, but not like, obviously, like, you know, make himself bump into him on the street. So the person should come and, again, the phrase, come to get him out of his state of mind, meaning appease him. So what it's, the point is that, on the one hand, he's not going, for, you know, it's not like the Chavetz Chaim stories where he's running after him saying, I'm Mochel, I'm Mochel. Um, but he does want that the person should ask forgiveness. Maybe he himself feels offended and wants to be asked forgiveness. Maybe it's appropriate for the person's own truth process that the person should ask. But you also realize that sometimes the hardest thing is to just actually... Get, no, not say, well, yes, but first get up the strength to actually go and talk to the person, right? You know, but, you know, once you're in the conversation, maybe sometimes you're able to do it. So he actually did not sort of waive the need for the person to ask for forgiveness, but made it, bumped into him to make it more easy for the person to have that opportunity. Didn't, you know, didn't wait for the person to come to him. Um, so sort of, as we say, met him halfway. Um, so that's what he would do. Rav, Rav had a certain issue against a certain butcher, that the butcher had done something offensive to Rav. And the butcher never came to say anything to Rav. So, again, from the previous story we learned, well, maybe you'll do the guy a favor, maybe you'll go out of your way and bump into him. So, So, every Yom Kippur, Rav said, So, I will go to... Um, um, you know, to make peace with him, meaning, so Rav was going to actually go, and since the butcher didn't come to him, Rav was going to go to the butcher. So Pagabei Ravuna, so Ravuna bumped into him. Amalei lehechoka azilmar, where's the master going? Amalei lefusei leplania, so to appease uh, so-and-so. Um, it's actually interesting, because it sounds like Rav is the one um, that uh, needs to... Uh, um, needs to appease the butcher um, although again it's interesting because it sounded like the butcher was the one that had done something wrong to Rav um, let the other story continues Amar Ezel Abba Lemiktel Nasha so he says Abba which apparently was Rav's actual name is going to kill someone so he did not trust Rav he knew Rav's nature and that if Rav uh, that it was not going to end well even though Rav was trying to be the one to uh, make up no, he he's himself, exactly. Also become a so he went and he stood by him. Have a Yosiva Kapali Reishe, so he was going to, um, 
Um, again, unless I'm reading this wrong and it's the butcher that was going to Rav, it doesn't make sense because Rav is coming and the butcher was in the middle of, uh, of chopping up the head of an animal. Um, yeah, exactly. He lifted up his eyes and, um, and the butcher lifted up his eyes and he saw Rav coming and he said, Amalei, he said to him, Abba'at? You who? You're Abba? Again, which is Rav's like actual name, which is not a respectful name of calling Rav, right? So, Zil, go and get out of here. Lacely Niel Sabadach. I don't want to have anything to do with you. The Hadi the Kalifali Reisha, and then he continued chopping his, this head of this animal. Ishtamik um, Garma, a bone flew out of the animal. Umachye Bikue, and hit him, the butcher, in the forehead. The cot lay and killed him. So we actually see that Rob succeeded in, not intentionally, but Rob actually through this encounter, it winded up that he did die. Um, it's actually quite interesting because, um, because what he says, the next word in the, uh, in the Gemara is Rav. So you could have re- read it, Bukatle Rav. <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that was what, re- that, that was, was what it, his, his name said, right? He said, uh, Rav is going, Ab is going to kill someone. So anyway, so here you see that that uh, sometimes it doesn't it didn't exactly work out he was trying to make <laughs> he tried to make up with him but sometimes look it's, you know I remember a very powerful thing that was written um, this uh, colleague of mine um, Arya Ben David or whatever in Israel and you know I, I remember being very moved that he wrote a powerful piece once I, uh, on, in the Aser Shemei Tshuva about how he had this like long standing you know fight with his neighbor of course as will often happen in these, these guys each side thinks that they're wrong then each side thinks that the other one has done a terrible thing to them and he decided he was going to be the bigger person and you know so he went like Eric Yom Kippur and he went and he you know gave kid friend and he apologized and they got this and that you know took responsibility and the guy basically just slammed the door in his face you know and, and, and refused to accept it like you know and it's, those are like the really hard you know hard times where you think you're being the big person right the way it reads like Rod felt he was offended but he says I'm going to go make up with him and nevertheless now in this story the guy got paid back for being so <laughs> intransient but nevertheless that's sometimes a sad reality it doesn't always work out you were going to say something no, sad this, I think maybe that's the point of the story about how important it is if somebody comes to you accept their apology Oh, because look what will happen if you don't. And if we want to again use it sort of more metaphorically, your anger, your resistance in the end is going to wind up coming back and hurting you. That's a very nice point. Okay. Um, okay. Rav Havit Pasik Sidra coming Rebbe Adzerebi. Rav was teaching like, you know, the Seder, the uh, Parsha um, of uh, Parsha Shashavua, some Sukim in Tanakh. Okay. So he was giving a, a Tanakh here in front of Rebbe. Ayo. Rabbi Chia, so Rabbi Chia came. So Hadal Reisha, so uh, so you know, um, so he went back to the beginning. He said, "Okay, we have a new person here. Let's start, you know, let's start back again from from the beginning of the parak." So Ayah Bar Kapara, so Bar Kapara came. Hadal Reisha, so I again start again from the beginning. Asher Reb Shimon Rabbi, Reb Shimon Rabbi's son came. Hadal Reisha. Back to the beginning. As Rebbe Chanina, Rebbe Chama, Rebbe Chanina Bar Chama then showed up. Everybody's coming so late. So Amar Kuei, Haidin, Haidin, and Hazel. What? So much? We have to go back again and again and again. Always start from the beginning. Like next time, show up on time. So Lo Hazer, he didn't go back. It did Rebbe Chanina. So Rebbe Chanina was offended. Every for everybody else, you go back to the beginning. I come, you don't go back to the beginning. 
So, okay, so again, it seems here like what Rav did was completely reasonable. And why was Rabbi Hanina anyway coming so late to this year? But anyway, neither, nevertheless, Rabbi Hanina was what a lot of traffic, right? Rabbi Hanina was nevertheless offended. So other Rav legabe kleiser male yom kippur thirteen erev yom kippurs. Rav, by the way, the whole practice of using Erev Yom Kippur as the opportunity to uh, ask for forgiveness, we see already in the time of the Gemara, right? The previous story also was an Erev Yom Kippur story. Thirteen Erev Yom Kippurs, Rav was, uh, went to ask for forgiveness. Below Ifayas, Rabbi Hanina refused. But it's quite fascinating, in both of these stories, people are refusing to make up with Rav. Again, what is it exactly about Rav? Below um, Ifayas. What? Well, <laughs> now, how could, um, oh, how did Rav do this 13 times? If you ask forgiveness, you should, not just you don't have to, but presumably it's being read, you shouldn't do it more than three times. Rav, Shani, no, Rav was different. Rashi says he was machmer on himself, okay, so he wanted, you know, he still wanted to, to, to make everything good. How did Rabbi Chanina refuse to forgive him? Anybody who's willing to forego their, literally their character traits, but meaning to forego evils that were done to them, God will forgo, you know, for, you know will, pass, will take away the person's sins. So how could you be so, you know, so, so intransigent? So Ella, Rabbi Chanina, so rather than saying Rabbi Chanina, yeah, it was just some people are that way, they just can't get over hurts that are done to them. Here's the explanation of why Rabbi Hanina did it. Rabbi Hanina chal machazi lay the Rav. The Rabbi Hanina had a dream about Rav that Rav was uh, suspended or literally hanged from a palm tree. Now we would think that that would be a very bad sign. But the Gamiri, you have a tradition to call the Zakfuhu Dikla, if you have a dream about somebody that's being hanged by a palm tree, Reshahave. So that means that that person is going to be very high up. Palm trees are high. So that person is going to be ahead. So he basically had a dream that Rav would be a great leader. And Amar, Shmamina Bailamevid Rashusa. Um, you see that Rav is going to want to be like, uh, you know, have a, have a position of leadership. Below um, Ifayas, and therefore I will refuse to be appeased. Why? He hates the lazy, that Rav should leave. Like, who wants to be around somebody that's so, you know, mean to you? The Ligmor Orais Bebavel, and teach Torah Bavel. What does this mean? It means, as Rashi says, that Rabbi Hanina was next in line to being uh, the head of the yeshiva. And he had this dream that Rav was going to be a big guy, you know, the, the, the leader. So he didn't want to be competing with Rav. So he basically figured, all right, I'll be mean to Rav. Rav will leave. He'll go to Bavel. Let him be the Russian well, team in Bavel. Uh, what? That's a good question. He didn't want to go to Bavel. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Rabbi Shani was already the Russian team. He was afraid that if Rav took over, that means his time is over. In other words, he's going to die. Oh, you're right. He said Rabbi Hanina was already the Rosh Hashiva. Thank you. So he didn't want... Right, right. Thank you. So Rabbi Hanina was already the Rosh Hashiva, so he didn't want... So if Rav is going to be the, the Rosh Hashiva, that means that he's going to die. Yes, correct. Thank you. So he didn't want to die, so that's a little bit more understandable. So he didn't want to die, so he said, let, let the dreams sort of become true in Bavel, not here. I think it's funny because it's all um, in front of Rebbe. Rebbe was still alive. So what it means that uh, Rabbi Hanina was the Rosh Hashiva... I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, okay, so that's why. Otherwise, of course, he would have forgiven him. But this was all to, to uh, you know, so that uh, he should stay Rosh Hashiva. He shouldn't die. Rav should go get his, become the big guy in Bavel. All right. Tadar a rabbi's talk. So those were some fascinating stories. Now back to Halacha. 
um, mitzvahs vidoy, every <coughs> the way we do vidoy, by the way, again, it's fascinating, we've talked about the whole issue of ritual of the, of the Beis HaMikdash versus Kuva, also the ritual of vidoy, you know, the power of Yom Kippur without Kuva, certain things have power as opposed to the interior process, but even the vidoy, Right, we just messed off these stories which didn't, were not ritualized at all, which were about asking for forgiveness, genuinely encountering the other person, really, you know, making things right. But now we get to the issues of vidoy, which could be, okay, it's between you and God now, it's not between you and a person, but still it's being ritualized and it's not just the question about doing tshuva, it's about a particular way of doing vidoy. So let's take a look. Mitzvah vidoy, the way you do the mitzvah vidoy, the way you do vidoy, every yom kippur min First of all, you do it every yom kippur as it's getting dark, I meaning you do it at mincha every yom kippur. I'm sorry, you do it, I misread that, I, I jumped ahead. You, you, you do it when, when it already becomes yom kippur, after yom kippur begins. But the sages said, you should actually do vidoy before you eat on erev yom kippur, which is mincha time. Lest you become like, you know, you, know, you eat so much and then you go literally your, your mind gets mixed up but like you know who knows you sleep through uh, you, you, kol, you leap through yeah you get drunk you sleep through kol nidre so better to do do vidoy Arab Yom Kippur before the suda even though you did it before um, you do it afterwards you do it at night at Myris Maybe you sinned during the meal. You ate too much. You forgot to make a bracha. Who knows what you did? And even if you did it on Yom Kippur night, you do it in the morning. Okay, so you have to do it at all those opportunities. So again, it's an interesting question, you know, how to take, take a step back and say, like, okay, what really is the point? Meaning, you know, is the point that maybe I sinned between then and now? It could be, right? And that's the way it's being framed, which, um, so, really, once is enough. You do tshuva plus Yom Kippur, once is enough, but, you know, maybe, uh, you know, each time you have to have this anxiety. Maybe I sinned between the last no, one. Now, one minute. Or I wasn't being sincere or something of that. Now, the power of that is, on, on the one hand, you could say that exactly feeds into the whole, like, you know, OCD type of mentality that some people have around religion. But pay me for, and, you know, but that seems to be what the Gemara is framing it. Oh, you better do it of Yom Kippur, lest you, you know, you, you know, you, you missed the opportunity on Yom Kippur. And you did it before the suit, <coughs> maybe I forgot to make a bracha during the suit, I'll have to do it again. So it does have that type of like this hyper anxiety but you know maybe in a way that's like trying to be underscored as a certain type well could be but as a certain type of like a message not necessarily for the whole year the same way Yom Kippur isn't how you're supposed to act the whole year not eat and drink whatever you know it's the way we act one day to internalize a certain type of an attitude so you know maybe the attitude of like you know or you should always do shuva day before you die and then the answer is since you never know when you die you should always do shuva every day you know yesterday we were talking about you know the Sephardi Minutes of doing a vidue on a daily basis. So at least use this day as an opportunity to have heightened a sense of anxiety around sin. Not like we're about to go every single day, you know, with this crazy thing, oh my God, maybe I just sinned a second ago, oh my God, maybe I just sinned whatever, but we should probably go with a higher, a higher sense of concern than we tend to go <laughs> on every day-to-day basis. So use this as an opportunity to create that heightened sense of concern or anxiety around it to a little bit more internalize that value. That would be like one thing I would suggest. A more simple explanation, by the way, is, which is not what the Gemara is saying, I'm not trying to leave this in the words of the Gemara, but you do tshuva before Yom Kippur, so you should enter in Yom Kippur, you know, already <coughs> ready for Yom Kippur, like the Kohen Gadol, right, the whole seven days before, and you have a whole Sarasim and tshuva 
and so on. And on Yom Kippur itself, since the whole day is a day about forgiveness, then the way you ritualize the day, the whole point is that we don't have an Avodah space in the base of Mitzvah anymore. What is the ritual that we do to bring out the character of the day? And by doing tshuva on an ongoing basis at every sort of like Shimona Esrei, I mean, face it, for us, that's what makes, defines the day, right? It's not like, oh, we, well, I did my tshuva the last week and I'm just waiting around now to get kapara, right? The whole nature of a day is a day about forgiveness and associated with that is a day of asking for forgiveness. So it's sort of like on Rosh Chodesh, you mentioned Yalav Yavo in every Shimona Esrei and, you know, Hanukkah, you do Alanisim in every Shimona Esrei. So on Yom Kippur, you do Vidoy in every opportunity. It, it brings, it, it's exactly what the character of the day is about but again then the power of the shift from the Mikdash where the whole character was around the Avodah and here the character of Yom Kippur's Mechaper but the way you bring out the character of Kapara is through doing an Avidoy again you know really sort of you know just reinforces that complete shift that now Kapara is not through some ritual Kapara is about Tshuva and it's completely that was what's intertwined and becomes the character of the day yeah maybe I'm just not remembering this now we have the concept of, of all these davening, and we didn't really discuss this, you know, so much this Masechah No. So nope. This is, yeah. This is, this is all, yep. yep. And this is the whole discussion. So let's try to see how much, if we can finish the discussion, okay? So now it says like this. Um, the Heichan Omra, where do you say the Vidor? Yochid Achar Tzilatel. The Yochid after Shmon Esrei. Which again is a little bit against my point because it's, uh, because it's not completely embedded in the Shmon Esrei. But also there's an idea that that's your private Vidor. Um, and the basic idea of Shmon Esrei obviously it speaks in the more communal voice. Right, the basic Shmon Esrei is all in the plural. Elokeinu, right, you know, Rifa'enu, etc. Asher Bacharta Banu. So the private vidui occurs after Shmon Esrei. The Shliachivor Omro Be'emsan. The Shliachivor says it in the Shmon Esrei, and that is about the character of the day, and it's also because there he is, that represents the vidui of the public and of the community. Right, and that's the whole idea why you do the vidui again in the Chazar Sashat, because that you're doing the vidui as part of the communal tshuva and the communal vidui as opposed to the private one that you do after your Shmona Esrei. So my Amar, what do you say? How do you, how do you introduce the vidui? So Amarav, Atayodea Razei Olam, which is, by the way, how we introduce our vidui. If you remember, I brought my, my machzor, right? But the, the, uh, the way you open up the vidui on the, um, you know, after your Shemona Esrei. By the way, while I'm looking for it, I should say, there's a whole question, do you say it after you do Yulatoni Mefi or before you Yulatoni Mefi? How much is it really when the Shemona Esrei is over? My practice, I think that the most accepted practice is to start the Vidoy before you do the Yulatoni Mefi because on the one hand, it's not part of the Shemona Esrei and the other hand, you want it like the Lisnei Hashem. The reason you do the Vidoy right after Shemona Esrei is the sense of doing it directly in the presence of God. So that you wait to do the, the Yulatzon, which formally ends the Shemona Esrei, and first you do the Vidoy, and then you do the Yulatzon. At least that's the way that I do it. Anyway, we introduce it, right? We say, um, you know, we say, uh, well, that's actually here, the Shiyah Sibor. Let me get the individual Shemona Esrei, right? So, so the way we do it is, right? right you, so here, here it has Yulatzon before the Vidoy. And then it's and then it gets into the Achet. Okay, so that's the answer. He says, Shmuel had some different type of an introduction from the depths of our heart, of the heart. 
Lulevi Omer Ubitarafka Kosov, which is quite fascinating. And Rashi says it means Kiba Yomazeyichaper Alechem, which is what we say in the Shmonesha itself as part of the Bracha. It's quite a fascinating way of introducing the Vidui to saying that we're going to be at home rather than introducing the Tshuva exorcist. Again, maybe trying to put a little more emphasis on the power of the day than all on the, on the Tshuva component. With Yochanan Omer, Ribon Holamim, Master of the Universe, and then obviously they were referring to different texts. Again, they don't even have to spell it out. There clearly were different, you know, texts that they were aware of and that were different options, and that's what they, and they were each one, you know, referring to a different way of introducing the, uh, what do you call it? Um, the, um, the Vidoy. Rashi says it's, you know, that, the text that we know that precedes, um, that precedes a, a Tachano. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, he have an asenu rabbim which is also a text that we use. Um, you know, our sins are so great, etc. Misaper. Rav Hanuna Amar Elokai, and this is what we Achilo Notzarti Eni to die before I was created. I'm not worthy. The Achshat Shenotzarti Ilu Lonotzarti. Now that I've been created, I'm no, I'm not worthy. Aparani b'chayai kavachomer b'mitati. I um, I am like you know dust in my life, certainly in my death. Behold, I am like you, like a you know a, a a vessel filled with shame and embarrassment. Maybe I desire that I don't sin, and what I have sinned, you know, cleanse again. Remember that idea of cleansing that Yom Kippur and Yisurim are cleansing. Right, so that's an interesting if you read it in context of what we said two days ago about the Yisurim and Mimarkin are scour and cleanse. Here he's saying, God, please cleanse me, but not. Not with the Yisurim. Okay, now by the way, that is what we say at the end of Shemona Esrei on Yom Kippur, before the normal Elokai, right? We do the Elokai at Shalonotzarti, and then we get to Elokai Nitzor Lishonim Eirah, and so on. So that actually is what we incorporate after the Vidui. Vahainu Viduya de Rava Kulashata. That is the Vidui that Rava would do every, the whole year, not just on Yom Kippur. Again, what's fascinating about all of this is that they're talking about the liturgy that frames the Vidui. They're not saying, Asham nu Bagad nu, you know, um, you know, Achechechatanu Lufanecha. One imagines that that, was, that that was taken for granted, that there would be some actual, you know, Vidui that went on. But again, the interesting question, and that they're not talking about, just do this, don't actually say, confess the sin, just say these general statements that I've sinned, but maybe not. You know, before we learned the question about whether you're Tzarek Lefaret HaTachet, is it possible that they're suggesting that all you do by the Vidoy is God I sin before you please forgive me right that would be a Vidoy if you don't have to be Mefarit as a Chet the alternative possibility why they're not discussing the Asham Nibaganu and Achet Shechatanu Lufanecha is maybe it's like it's fill in the blank here meaning maybe they're talking about the framing and what constitutes the actual Vidoy you work it out yourself that's the text that you're supposed to say Okay, so again, it's worth noting that they don't have what we would identify as the Iker Vidoy. They're talking about the framing. Was, is that all they did, the framing? Maybe they, they had a ritualized Vidoy, they didn't have to discuss it, or maybe you were supposed to actually fill it in with your own, with your own concession. Um, okay. Um, where are we? The Rafamnuna Zutu Yamadikipur. And that was Rafamnuna, the, the younger's uh, Vidoy on Yom Kippur, this Elokai Achalonotzarti. All these issues is only if you, you know, all these framings and other ways of saying it is if you don't say but we have sinned 
those three words you don't have to do anything else and presumably again now he's not talking about the framing of it presumably the actual vidui if vidui you don't have to be mefarit at hachet the bottom line vidui is we said why, why do you say abal anachnu chatanu you say anachnu chatanu say chatati again it's still interesting but he says you know what if just saying you sinned that's already doing it the Amar Bar, the Amar Bar Hamdudi, Habi Ka Amina, I was standing coming to Shmuel of Avi Yossi, and Yishmuel was sitting, the Chimata Shlicha de Sipura, the Amar, when the Shlicha Sipura came to the point of Alanachnu Chatanu, right, which is the words we say right before we do the Asham Nu Bagatanu, Kam Mikam, Shmuel stood up. Amar Ishmamina, Igor Vidoy Haihu, this is the real Vidoy, that phrase of Alanachnu Chatanu. Again, it's quite fascinating. First of all, the assumption that because he stood indicates that that's the Ikravidoy. Some, we show him, have the Girsa, not Shmamina, this is the Vidoy, but Shmamina, that Vidoy has to be done standing. That that's the point that's actually being underscored by Shmuel standing up. Ah, you see, when you do Vidoy, you have to stand. But again, it's a fascinating phrase, right? So it means that, it means that you know, A, clearly they have a, the liturgy, a lot of the liturgy was already, you know, that we are familiar with, or a lot of liturgy was already there, they're not spelling it out for us, right? But when they said, the Shriya Sibur said, Avad Nachnu Chatamnu, and Shmuel got up, was it followed with the Ashamnu Bagadnu Gazalnu or something like that? Or no, that was it, just those three words. You know, so again, that whole thing about where is what we identify as the actual confession, where is that? Was that present and not being stated? Or was that not even, well, not even present? Malini, what was it here? He said, to our contract more than what? What? And we have before. When he said, to our contract more, what did he say? Uh, Rashi says, it says, you know, Kiba Yom Aleichem. But again, that's not even a vidoy. Yes. Okay. So quite fascinating, these discussions and what isn't sort of being, uh, being addressed. And whether we're talking about the framing or we're talking about the actual substance of the vidoy. We taught over there. There are three times in the year that Kohanim do uh, do Birchas uh, Kohanim for four, four times in the day. Which basically means that there are three times when you do Ni'ila. And because those are fast days, a Kohen doesn't do Birchas Kohanim late in the afternoon because he might have be, be drunk by then. But on a fast day, that's why you do Birchas Kohanim at Mincha. So what it's really saying is there are three times where you're fasting and therefore Kohanim do Birchaz Kohanim the whole day and where there's Ni'ila. What are those times? The Eluhe, when it's Shlosha Prakim, Taniyot, Anatainis, you know, that you do for rain. So there would be a Ni'ila. The Ma'amadot, which would be the groups of the Jews that would gather to represent the Jewish people in terms of the, for, for the Korbanot that were being brought. Um, and they would fast um, on, you know, on particular days. Uba Yom Kippur and on Yom Kippur. So, by the way, as Michael's indicating, on Tanis and Mamodos, there aren't Musaf, so fine, Musaf was Lav Dafka. But the point is, you fast, you have Ni'ila, and therefore the Quranim do Birchus Quranim the whole day. So, every time. Now, the Gemara says, Main Ila Sha'arim, what do you do for the locking of the gates? By the way, what lock gates are being locked? Rashi brings down Yerushalmi that some have that there was the locking of the gates of heaven which is how we type them and some say it means that's opposite the locking of the gates of the Azara which just is a way of referring to the very last moment of the day one still though imagines locking of the gates of Azara is you know symbolically you know communicating the same idea as the locking of the gates of heaven okay so um um sorry so what was the locking of the what was the locking Rav Amar wh- wh- I'm sorry what do you say for Ni'ila Rav Amar Tzalusi you say you do another Shmon Esrei but Shmuel Amar Ma'anu Mechayinu no you don't do another Shmon Esrei it's just another like a supplication what are we how, you know wh- wh- what's the value of our lives some type of a Tzalika but you don't do another Shmon Esrei 
Okay, which is funny. How do you do a you know birchas kohanim not in the context of Shimon Esrei? Anyway, Meisvei, I'll ask you. Or I mean, you could, but does not the normal normal standard? Or you have mikipurim mipal shavu misvadeh on the on uh, you know like a kol nidrei night. You do a Shimon Esrei with seven brachot and you do vidur. The shachris misal shavu misvadeh. You do a shachris. The musaf misal shavu misvadeh. The mincha misal shavu misvadeh. The niyua misal shavu misvadeh. In the Iwa you do it in the morning. So you, you do, you do a, a seven bracha Shmon Esrei. So you see, the Iwa is a Shmon Esrei. And then, now people take out the word Tanayi because they, it's, a, this, it's, not, it's another, another bright that reinforces this. Sometimes the O Tanya, Yamakipurim Chashecha, Mispalo Shevel, Mispadeh, the Chotem Bevidoi. That the Chatima that you do on Ni'ila, according to this, Diva Rebbe Neir, Rebbe Neir, is not the normal Chatima about, you know, Mikadesh Yisrael Yom Kippurim, but it's a Chatima about, like, you know, Sachan Yisrael, which is funny. The word is Chotein B'Vidoy, which is your confession, but Rashi, when he suggests what the text would be, Rashi says that the Chatima would be, you forgive Israel. What's Rashi? Hold on. Rashi says, Chotein uh, B'Vidoy, Rashi says, um, a minute. Ha'el ha'sochan, the God, the forgiving God. So again, the the identification of confession and forgiveness, right, is not you know again like what I was making before. The way you bring out the theme of Yom Kippur's the day of forgiveness is you do a confession at every Shmona Esrei. So to say that if the if Rashi is correct that the Chatima would be God who forgives Israel and we're describing it as Chotein Bezidoy right that's not a confession God who forgives Israel that's God forgiving us so again that strong identification of the two is worth noting anyway so this says that the Chatima the Shemona Esri of Ni'ila is that of forgiveness according to Rebbe Meir if you want you could end with the Chatima of forgiveness if otherwise you could end with the standard Chatima of you know like it should be worth noting that you know the bracha of Yom Kippur, the last bracha of the, of the middle bracha of Shmona Esrei, is quite a long one and is very much you know has the theme of um, of, uh, of of forgiveness, right? I mean, when do we ever have a chasimah of a bracha that long, okay? But it is exactly doing this, of intertwining the normal middle bracha of Mekadesh Yisrael, the X, the Yom Kippurim, plus that whole character of the day of forgiveness, which the Gemara here is calling Chotein Bevidoy. Anyway, as far as our issue, that you see that Ni'ila is a Shmona Esrei, so the Gemara says, Chiyofta de Shmuel Chiyofta, find that the country of Kenna Shmuel, you see that Ni'ila is a Shmona Esrei. Ba, okay, um, Ba Rav Nachis Kamei de Rava, son of Rav went in front of Rava to lead the davening. Ula Barav. Ula Barav. No, I'm sorry, right, thank you. Ula Barav, thank you. Ula Barav Nachis Kamei de Rava, Padach Be'ata Bechartanu, V'siyem Bidma'anu Mechayenu. So he began the middle brach of Shmon Esrei which is how we begin it, and he ended it with Ma'anu Mechayenu, like with the whole theme of Vidoy, V'shavchei Rav, and Rav praised him. Okay. Rav L'taymeg, the Amar, 
absolute did I skip a line? Yes, I did. Huna braid rab nachshe. Thank you. I don't know. I don't even. I'm trying to go too fast because this was in front of Rava, right? Okay, and he praised him. Rav Huna braid rab nachshe amar v'yokin omer acher tefilato. The an individual says the ma'anu mechayenu not in the middle of the shemone esrei but after the shemone esrei. Same like the whole idea before about saying the vidui. Same with this particular prayer. When you dive in the Elah, you don't have to dive in Maris because, presumably, because, as we're going to see, according to him, you could dive in the Elah after it's already night. So you're doing your Shemona Esrei and it's already night. Of course, your Shemona Esrei has only seven brachos and it's a whole Yom Kippur theme. But nevertheless, it's a Shemona Esrei at night that gets you off the hook for davening Maris. So Rav Lutayme, Rav goes according to his means, and I'm going to that you say another Shemona Esrei. The key one's at Tzali Lane, since you've done another Shemona Esrei at night, to a Tzorus, you don't have to dive in Marv again. So the Mosh says, Umiyama Rav Hachi, the Rav say this, I'm a Rav Halachi, Divya Omer, Tzilas Arbis Rishos, that Marv is just a Rishos, and therefore why do you have to say that you're exempt from Marv? Anyway, you don't have to dive in it. Which leads to us in the whole discussion that even if we say Marv is a Rishos, does it really mean you don't have to do it? But anyway, that's the way the Gemara is sounding. If Marv is only a Rishos, you didn't have to do it anyway. So what do you mean it exempted you? So, ho, ha, um, so Gemara says, no. Ledive Omer Chova Kamar. No, he means even those who say Marv is an obligation, Ni'ila is Motzi you. Mesve, is this really true? Or Yom Kippurim, Mispal Shevel Misvadeh, Shachri Shevel Misvadeh, Musaf Shevel Misvadeh, B'Ni'ila Mispal Shevel Misvadeh. So the bright that we quoted before, that at each one of the davenings you say seven brachot and a vidui, but then it goes on to say, Arvis, also Mincha Mispal Shevel Misvadeh is missing. Anyway, Arvis, Mispal Shevel Misvadeh, Esrei. And Myrib, after it just said you daven the Ewa, it says, and you're going to daven Myrib. What do you do by Myrib? So there, you don't have to do the whole Shemona Esrei. You've been fasting a whole day. Do a short Shemona Esrei for the middle one. Right, there's Isaiah's Havinenu. There's a way you can do a summary of the 18 brachot in one brach in the middle, which they establish as a nusa for somebody who's traveling and who can't focus on the Shemona Esrei. So do that, Mosei Yom Kippur. We'll make it easy for you. Do seven, but the middle one will be a distillation of the 18 brachot. So you're okay. long day. Re- well, right. No, you do a full 18. Why? Because you got to say Havdalah. So sorry, you can't get it. So, oh, it was so good. We could have got away with a little Shmonesra, you know, Mosei Yom Kippur, but now because we have to say Havdalah, we so got to say, we got to say, yeah, because you can't do a Havdalah without doing each bracha by, without doing each bracha by itself. Um, by the way, I should say, Tosa says the reason of the first opinion was not just to make life easy for you, but he says, since you haven't yet broken the fast, to some degree you're still in the Yom Kippur mode. And therefore, we want to get you to say another Yom Kippur-like davening, so we want to have seven brachot, like the Yom Kippur davening had seven brachot. So it wasn't just to be easy for you. Anyway, we pass in the second opinion that we do a full davening so you can say Havshalah. Anyway, what do you see? You see that even though you did, you did um, uh, what do you call it, Ni'ila, um, uh, you still have to do Marim. So the Gemara says Tanahi. It's a debate of Tanayim. The Tanahi is on the right. The Kochai Beitzvilas Tovin Kedarkam Biyom Kippurim. Anybody has to go to the mikvah is allowed to go on Yom Kippur because it's not a Tvila for Taanug. Neither the Yoledes Tovelas Kedarkam Bleil Yom Kippur, and neither the Yoledes can go on you know Kol Nidrei Night again because it's not for Taanug purposes. It's for mikvah purposes. Balkeri Tovah Vaholech Adam Mincha. A Balkeri who can't daven until he's gone to the mikvah because of the Takana that a Balkeri can't daven, which we don't paskin anymore. So he goes or maybe needs must go not just as allowed to go until Mincha time but once he's davened Mincha and then he became a Balkari then he can't then there's no need to go anymore because there's no no davening left to be done so meaning well what about the Elah 
So implicit in this is Ni'ilas at night. And therefore, you don't go on Yom Kippur. You don't have to go today on Yom Kippur. Wait till night. Go at night. And then daven Ni'ilas. Um, so, Rabbi Yosiomer, Kol Yom Kulo. No, he goes to the mikvah again, even after Mincha, in order to allow him to daven Ni'ilas. So the way the Gemara is understanding it is that we have an implicit debate here whether Ni'ilah is before nightfall or after nightfall because if it's after nightfall the Balkari doesn't have to go to the mikvah during Yom Kippur and if it's after it's the only possibility that your Yotze Mariv by Ni'ilah is if it is after, is after nightfall. So if nobody's dealing with the bizarre nature that a Yom Kippur davening you know is going to be you for Mariv. But the only issue is, did you do it at nightfall? So the Gemara says, look, there's an implicit debate here whether Ni'ilah is during the day or once it's night. That would be the issue about whether you're Yotze Mare. Okay, so the Gemara says, Ramini, I'll ask you on this. All these Tomei people can go to the Mikvah Yom Kippur. And the Balkari can go the whole day of Yom Kippur because he's got a Davin. Only from Mincha time he can't. So Rabbi Yossi reversed his position before Rabbi Yossi said you could go after Mincha because you have to say Ni'ila. He says, it's not difficult. Whether you've daven if you've already daven ila, you can't go. You don't have to go. After you've daven, if you haven't daven ila, you can. But Rabbi Yossi is still on his position that ila is during the day. So Kumar says, If you've already said daven ila, my time Why do the rabbis let the balkari go or demand that the balkari go after uh, after ni'ila in this second brayta that the rabbis are saying you go the whole day? Why, if you've already daven? It doesn't matter about whether you need to go to the mikvah in order to daven. There's a mitzvah to go on the right, on the right time. So if you became a balkari today, you've got to go today, even if you've done all of your davening. And that's why they say it. So that's suggesting that Reb Yossi, who says he doesn't go if he's already done all of his davening, the balkari, says it's not a mitzvah to go on the right time. The Hatanya, we taught in the Brisa, Haresha Yashem Kosoval Bissaro. Somebody who wrote God's name on his arm. Okay, Hareze Lo Yirchat, you can't bathe, Lo Yasuch, and put oil. The Lo Yamad Bimokam Hatinofet, or stand in a place of filth, because it's inappropriate for God's name. The other part would be erasing God's name. He's done the Lo Mitzvah. Let's say you have to go to the Mitzvah. Korechalav Gemi, put a band of uh, a band around it. The Yoid Vitovah, go to the Mikvah, so it won't nec- it's loose enough that water can get in. It's a good Tzvila, but it's enough protecting it that it won't necessarily erase God's name. Rabbi Yosiomer, Yoid Vitovah Kedarka, Levachala Yishak No, you don't have to put a band around it. Go straight into the Mikvah. Just don't rub it when you're in the water. Okay, for Kaimala, now what's that debate about? So we have established. The debate is whether going to the mikvah on its right time is a mitzvah. How is that a debate? Because the Bible says, what's the problem of saying put a band around God's name, protect God's name? So, no, the reason Reb Yossi wouldn't want you to do it is because that will delay you from going to the mikvah on the right time. You won't find a good band-aid to put on it. And Reb Yossi wants to ensure you go to the mikvah on the right time. Okay, so that debate is framed as whether Tzvila Bizman and Mitzvah. So you see, Reb Yossi says Tzvila Bizman is Mitzvah. So how is he saying in the Brayta, don't go on Yom Kippur if you became a Balkari after you daven Yilah? Who cares if you've daven Yilah already? Reb Yossi is the one that says Tzvila Bizman is a Mitzvah. So the Gemara says no. He Reb Yossi Reb Yehudahi. That idea, what? It's a different Reb Yossi. The idea that Tzvila Bizman is not a Mitzvah and that you don't go to the mikvah if you're a Balkari after Ni'ilah, 
is Reb Yosef Reb Yehuda. The Tanya, Reb Yosef Reb Yehuda, Omer, Dayat with Fiba Shatei Bachrona. There's a famous case about a woman who comes and says, I don't know when I became a Nida. And basically, in the Gemara, they have her go to the Mitzvah like 60 times because you want to make sure you're getting the exact right day that it's your Mitzvah to go to the Mitzvah. And Reb Yosef says, give me a break. Just go on the last day. And then she's definitely taller, which means there's no idea of going on the exact right day. Do a Mitzvah at the end and make her taller. So, that, that Reb Yossi is the one that holds Tfilah Bizmana is not Mitzvah. We did that very quickly, but again, the upshot is, are you Yotzei Ma'ariv by Ni'ila? If Ni'ila is at night, uh, which is again bizarre. If, and there's a debate whether Ni'ila is at night, which partly is seen through the lens of, can a Balkari go to the Mikvah on the day, uh, if he, you know, in order to dive in Ni'ila? So if Ni'ila is in the day, the answer is yes, but if Ni'ila is the night, no, he can't go, because just wait until the night. And other questions about insisting that somebody go to the mikvah on Yom Kippur, even if they don't need to go, even if they daven, because of Tzvila Bizmana Mitzvah. Let's just end. If somebody actually becomes a Balkarian Yom Kippur, go down to the mikvah and scrub yourself in the evening in order to make sure there are no chatzitzas. So the Gemara says, Le'erev, ma'ida have have. What could it do to remove chatzitzas after you've been to the mikvah? What it was, was. Elema mi be'erev yishavshev. Scrub yourself on Erev Yom Kippur so you can go to the mikvah on Yom Kippur. Of course, the question is, but I only became a Balkari on Yom Kippur. So Raji says, everybody has to scrub themselves on Erev Yom Kippur because they might become a Balkari on Yom Kippur. Which gets back to the whole theme of like, you always have to be worried that something is about to go wrong. And now just really to end it, Tani Shana Kameh Rav Nachman, Again, like the irony before about being suspended from a palm tree. If you see Karen Yom Kippur, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are laid out for you. You're going to get punished for all your sins. My Sidurin, Sidurin Limachal. No, it means laid out to be forgiven. You should worry the whole year that you're going to be punished because that's just terrible because you would begin about carrying Yom Kippur and everybody else was restraining from sex and you were having this thing which was sexually satisfying. So that's a bad sign. But if you lived out the year, then you know it was a good sign that God wanted to give you a nice thing to give you this satisfaction on Yom Kippur. Um, that's the way Rashi says it. That's what Rashi says. You should know. Everybody else is hungry. You got this sexual satisfaction. You have a lot of life and you shall be, have many children. As the Rashi tells us, the Pasuk, So again, I was just interesting. So, interesting to note, interesting to note the irony is the same way, you know, the whole, um, well, I'll just end it. We have to go. <laughs> I'll tell you the irony tomorrow. All right, let's go. The other one, okay. Somebody wants to say Kaddish? You want to say Kaddish? The whole Kaddish. Next mistake at is sukkah. Everybody's invited. Are we supposed to start to go right now? Or we are supposed to get out of this room because we are delaying this uh, class. <laughs> Uh, that's, 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 that's,